I wonder what it tells you about people of what word they use in any like audio <laughs> test, right? Like, yeah. I think we, we we should start a movement right now where we change, we go from <laughs> test yeah. to like, maybe it's feather. It's like feather, 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 right. feather, you know, something like right, that. Right, right, right. Any questions before we head into the studio? No, that was great. Okay, here we go. Hey everyone, it's Noah Barnett. And today in the studio, we have Chris Barlow. He's the chief happiness director. We're going to get into that a little bit at Beeline Marketing. Hey, Chris, welcome to Feather Studios. Hey, Noah. It's great to be with you. Well, before we get into the fun stuff and hear more about this chief happiness director title that you've given yourself, (laughs) uh, I would love to kick off with the question of like, you know, this is a marketing podcast. You're a marketer. I'm a marketer. Those listening maybe don't identify as a marketer, but they're doing marketing. Uh, what was the first brand or marketing campaign that made an impression on you? I was thinking about this. And if I'm honest, I have to go way back to when I was a kid and I loved Legos and I loved the like castle Legos. And inevitably, when you bought the instructions, it also send you a, a package or a packet of other Legos like this. And so then you'd, I drool over like the huge sets and I just wanted them. And I wasn't, you didn't even realize I was being marketed to. I just saw these other Legos that looked awesome. So that's really the one that made an impression on me, you know, thinking back, oh, I guess, I guess that was really poignant. More recently, maybe in the last 10 years and kind of what started to help me discover, you know, before I even started in marketing myself in my own business, um, Perry Marshall is someone known in the for-profit marketing world, I guess. And um, I, I kind of ended up on his email list one way or another. And he just had a slow drip like campaign. And most of his emails were interesting and adding value and didn't even realize that I was starting to trust those emails and trust what he was saying. And so then when he started to offer stuff, it kind of was a natural outflow. So you got hit up by merchandising and uh, upsells <laughs> when you were yes. a child. You weren't even realizing it. And then now, like, you know, building uh, trust through value-added content. Wow. Like, those are some key tactics we as marketers know well. But sometimes it's not as obvious to see them um, in practice, which I know you help organizations think about marketing and especially nonprofits think about how do you acquire donors and how do you think well about being in the discovery channels that your supporters, whether they're known or unknown, are hanging out in. And we're going to get into that. But I I really want to know your story because I noticed on your profile that you spent a long time not in purposeful marketing and maybe what would be referred to as the corporate world or uh, sales, which is very different than the work you do today. So what was the journey or the squiggle on how you got into purposeful marketing with nonprofits? So I... As a teenager, I really wanted to do something meaningful, uh, do something missional or, or, or to do something to better the world. And I never wanted a job in corporate America. That was what my dad had done and he got burned out by it. He ended up starting his own business and uh, with my mom. And, and I just thought, I don't, I don't have any interest in, in doing anything with corporate America. And after college, I had to get a job. I just got married and I just got a sales job. I was cold calling. And to my great surprise, I loved it. And that was like what blew me away is hmm. I started doing this and I'm like, wow, I actually really like what I'm doing. And I stayed at that job for a long time and um, it was a good company. And, uh, but at, at about eight years in, I thought, you know, but I don't want to retire here. I don't see myself staying in this industry long-term. Hmm. 
And I still had that desire to do something more impactful. And so I started Beeline on the side and uh, learned about, you know, just digital marketing, took some courses and and thought, well, I'm just going to start this, see where it goes. Um, I didn't have any industry in mind, actually, but I I did know a nonprofit here in my city. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to reach out to them and say, can I help you guys? Um, I, I, the first thing I started with was Google ads. And I said, can I just run your Google ad campaign? I won't even, you have a grant already. I won't charge you. Let me just get some experience under my belt. And they're like, yeah, that'd be great. So I start managing their Google ad campaign and that grows from there. Uh, at some point they start referring me to other nonprofits they know. They're like, hey, Chris, we've got a budget for you. Uh, we want you to do more than you're doing. And uh, and so it kind of blossomed from there and, and helped me kind of define where I wanted to put my focus. And it was, again, a, a happy coincidence or providential, if you will, because I, again, I, I started it without that intention, but I kind of feel like I came full circle going from where I wanted to do something impactful and, and going into business. And I'm glad I had those years to do that and, and then coming back around. It's interesting how so many people that we talk to uh, and I've spent years talking to people that have made those paths like they've squiggled or they, you know, like myself started in nonprofits and then kind of was like, oh, maybe the grass is greener and then kind of got disenchanted a little bit about the unpurposeful work where it's Mm -hmm. like, hey, we exist because we exist and that's the end in mind, um, which is still good but then kind of wandering back and seeing mm. beyond the fence and kind of coming back to the, the purposeful side. And whether that's in mm. nonprofits or associations or other things where people are, it's much more collaborative rather than commerce. It's something I've been thinking a lot about and how there's kind of this overlap between values and vocation in this work. Whereas other mm-hmm. work, you know, maybe you're a marketer at Coca-Cola you don't necessarily have to believe everything Coca-Cola does or that giving sugary drinks to people around the world is like the best, most purposeful thing, but you're there for a purpose that maybe is your own, but it's not a unified purpose, which is what you find more in the, you know, not for profit or for purpose or social good space, which is where most of our listeners are hanging out or maybe considering coming back to. Yeah. Being able to combine your vocation. I think that's it with, with what you're doing is so key. Even if it's just a little bit, it can add a lot of meaning. Hey friends, Emily here from Feather, taking a pause from this stripped down conversation to share a quick story. The International Justice Mission or IJM is a global nonprofit with a mission to end childhood slavery in our lifetime. Each year-end, IJM runs a holiday gift campaign that gives supporters real-life stories of the impact a gift can make. But as another year drew to a close and goals got bigger, the IJM team decided to partner with us to level up their digital campaigns. IJM used Feather's nonprofit marketing platform and support from their Feather co-pilot to launch multiple campaigns around the web to expand their reach to a larger audience. The result? They brought in $109,500 the highest amount they had ever received through digital ads. By meeting their donors where they were, IJM was able to close out a difficult year with a big win. Feather is trusted by nonprofits of all shapes and wingspans, from the arts to animal welfare and everything in between. Don't rely on magic this year-end. Use Feather to streamline your digital marketing campaigns and exceed your goals. Learn more and get started today at feather.co. That's feather without the last E, dot co
story is such an important part of marketing, but we also want to be practical and kind of get mm -hmm. under the hood or get unplugged about how marketing actually gets done. Um, so I would, I would love to hear like unpack a marketing campaign. Maybe you've been working on recently, uh, what's working, what's not right now in purposeful marketing. Yeah, this was, I'm, I'm excited to share. Um, and I hope, uh, you as a listener can kind of imagine how it could be applied to your own situation. Um, so I started working with a Jewish food bank. They're based out of Chicago and they've been around for a really long time. Um, and they wanted to grow their donor base and particularly they have a good donor base, but it's, it's older. And they're, they're saying, we know we need to start reaching younger families. Um, we don't like, they're not trying to reach people, you know, necessarily people like mm. 20 years old. They're, they're happy to reach people thirties, forties, but they just needed to start, you know, freshing that and growing that. And so they're saying, okay, how can we reach new people? And, um, and so they approached us and we started talking and the, the strategy we came up with, we started by surveying their audience, um, their current donors and saying, Hey, we're thinking about creating some kind of resource that would help you and people mm. like you, uh, potential new donors. And we gave, we shared a few different ideas we came up with and we based the ideas. We, what we first did was we went into Google and did use their keyword planner and say, say, we saw how many people are searching for these different topics, Jewish recipes, um, Jewish holiday ideas, um, how, what to do, how to, how to help your family connect and unplug on the Sabbath, just different topics that are relevant for the, for their Jewish audience. Yeah. I think that's really important though. Just before we get into that, I think like the the concept here though is that yeah. you started with something and it wasn't, hey, we need to raise money. It's hey, who is a potential supporter of this cause? Maybe someone that identifies with the Jewish faith or the Jewish tradition. What do they need or what are they searching for? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's applicable for for most businesses. Yes. So I want to I want to peel that out because that's a that's a strategy that can be applied for you yep. uh, listening to this is like where you start impacts your marketing strategy. And what you're saying is you're taking a contrarian starting point, which I'm assuming is going to lead to the results. So yeah, tell us more about it. We have to assume that people aren't going to come to us. We have to meet them where they're at. And where they're at is they're going online and they're going to social media or they're going to Google and they're looking for a question or answer to their question, a solution to their problem, or a cat video. I mean, <laughs> other words, entertainment. Indeed. Right? Hey, everyone loves a good cat video, especially marketers. <laughs> That's right. So how can we meet them where they're at? So we we nailed down from the feedback we got that a Jewish recipe book uh, based on around the, the holidays, um, focused on recipes for the holidays would be really valuable. And so rather than just being like, okay, um, nonprofit, like let's grab everyone, all the recipes from from you, your, you, your employees and families and, and just like put that together, although that would that could be a good idea too. We said, let's reach out to some Jewish influencers, chef influencers, or, or even celebrities and ask them to quote unquote, donate some recipes for a recipe book that are already on their website. And we just let them know, we're not trying to sell your recipes. We just want to repurpose them, put them together, repackage them. And so we put this recipe book together and has 30 recipes for all the major Jewish holidays. and. The goal and the heart is we, we, we edited it really well so that it's usable on a phone. You can just, you can click on the recipe. It drops you down to the recipe that you wanted. And then the format just 
it, it's based on some recipe apps that I've personally, my wife and I have personally used that we love and they're formatted extremely well. And so you're not dealing with a website with ads and all the like long story that you have to like scroll down past and the pop-ups and everything that's so annoying about searching for recipes on Google um, and just going to a random recipe website. And you, we know they're curated and proven and, and well edited. So we put this together and, um, and then we started running Google ads to it. And we did, we used the, the grant that they had access to as an, and that's the Google, the Google ad grant, right? That's what you're referring to for those that maybe not familiar Google Correct. ad grant. Yeah, that's great. We'll include some notes in the show notes as well uh, about Google ad grants, but just want to tease that out for the audience. Yeah. So it's a program that Google provides 10,000 per month in free advertising on Google search. And so we already knew from the market research stage that there was going to be a lot of traffic in terms of people searching for relevant keywords. Um, and so we, we built a page to offer the recipe book. We built a, an email follow-up sequence. And so once someone downloads this book, you know, they can start to, this, this nonprofit can start to build a relationship with them and we can take them from, Hey, we're here to help you. We want to, here's why we made this recipe book. We want, it came from an overflow of our mission and our desire to help people have more meaningful, more dignity and more meaning in their lives. And we do that practically by providing them food around the holidays, especially around the holidays, um, all times of the year. But you don't have that specific need probably. So this is a, this is a way to give you a taste of that through this book. And, um, and then telling a story of how they fulfill their mission. And then, you know, there's a, during this welcome sequence, we give them an ask to donate. Um, the goal isn't necessarily to directly fundraise immediately. That's a, that's a, a bonus, but the goal is just to let, to build that relationship and connect the person, their personal experience with this being helped with, this is part of a bigger mission and, and, a, and a passion that we have as an, as an organization. So this, this is one of those ideas where you're meeting a donor where they are, you're identifying, Hey, this potential person could be a supporter and here are the things that they may care about. And then tying that back to the values of the organization and then ultimately the impact the organization is going to have. That's a lot of hoops to jump through than your traditional, like, can you just run ads or send direct mail or prospect out and just tell people to feed hungry people during the holidays? Was there uh, buy-in issues from the organization or kind of what was going on with those within those conversations that kind of unlocked like, no, let's try this. I see the value. Let's get into it. Because something like this, I could hear listeners being like, yeah, my organization would never approve something like that. Like it's too abstract. It's too far mm -hmm. away from our core mission to go and curate recipes mm -hmm. for our supporters. So help that right. person help themselves sell something like mm. this into their organization as they consider a kind of value added content strategy to drive prospects to then curate and cultivate into supporters. Well, first I'll say that the research shows that email is the number one fundraising channel and you can send straight out normal fundraising emails, especially year end and other specific key times of the year. Um, and your current donor list will probably give at the same rate they have always given. Um, but you're going to have regular churn. And how do you keep adding to that list? How do you keep growing that? And again, it comes back to the principle of, well, you might get a few random people who find you. You're going to get referrals from friends and family. Those are always really good donors if, if, they, if they choose to become donors. But 
if you want to find new people, you have to, again, meet them where they're at. And it doesn't matter whether you're using Google or social media or any other kind of campaign marketing effort. You need to connect with their interests. And so providing something that will help them um, is a great way Mm -hmm. to do that. And it's in their self-interest. And the nice thing about like this book that we created, and there's other kinds of things that resources that you can create. But the nice thing about the book is you create it once and you can use it over and over. I mean, it's, it's evergreen. We can use it where they can use it forever. Like there's no reason why not. Um, and so it is a little bit of effort up front to put these things into place, but it, it, it's very much evergreen in case you're unfamiliar with that term, just it all, it's always good. It's always can be something you can continually run. And the other cool thing about this book is the client sent it to their current donor list and said, Hey, we just wanted to give you a serve you guys and, and help you and, and, and meet one of your needs and just thank you for being donors. And so you're, you're adding value and a potential ability to retain current donors. Absolutely. And you're, you're providing some sort of delight, right? You know, going back to your title, you're the chief, you know, happiness director. Part of our roles as marketers is to provide that like moment of like, ah, or wonder or surprise. Uh, I know I've had that when you like open a packaging and there's like a witty comment on the inside of the box, like, someone doing marketing decided that that should be there because part of our role is to kind of embed these moments of delight and surprise. And, and that's a great example mm-hmm. of how that, how that takes place. So what have the results been? You know, that's probably the question like, Hey, I get it. This is a great idea. Yeah. Uh, any early results or kind of uh, tracking that you all mm-hmm. are seeing in that campaign? Yeah. So we started running the ads in August. So this is, this is new. We've been working on this for a while now, but we actually started launched the campaign in August. Um, and we're in the second month, we've spent 8,000, we just finished the second month, 8,000 of the 10,000 grants, and we've had 150 new subscribers. And I expect that number to be the minimum that they're going to see going forward on yeah. that one book. And we can add new stuff. We can try new, you know, we can add new stuff going forward. Um, and in terms of, you know, one thing we learned the first month we had 40 conversions, 40 new subscribers, um, downloaded, which wasn't bad uh, to me. I was happy with that, but um, we didn't let, we created this landing page. We put a lot of effort into it, but we didn't let the landing page stay static. And that was something I learned just from the Neo summit recently, Jeff Giddens, the CEO of next after talked about the importance mm. of humility and just realizing like, we might be so like, we might think ourselves clever as marketers, but we actually don't know what's going to work best. Um, we have to admit we don't, we don't know, but we are going to try, we're going to try different things. And so we looked at our landing page and saw like, we're getting a lot of people coming, but they're not downloading it. And we saw, okay, there's a lot of keywords that people are looking for that are coming to our page that our page is not clearly communicating about. And so it doesn't mm-hmm. feel relevant to them. And so we added a lot more information or details that wasn't that weren't there before, specific to the keywords that that were people were coming to the page for. So just trying to learn and observe and, and improve and I'm sure we're going to find more things. I mean, most likely, I, I'm my guess is, you know, there'll be continual things we can do on the landing page and stuff. But I'm thinking that in our emails, we're going to start analyzing those and seeing like, are people unsubscribing? Are they opening the emails? Are they replying? Um, or are they taking any other action? And just, just being humble about that. Um, I think it's valuable for any marketing campaign, but that's kind of what immediately we, we got from from the first month. Yeah, I was trying to find my notes on this because I think there was uh, Jeff also encouraged marketers to think less like uh, I forget what it was. I don't remember the quote. I 
I don't have it written down, but if I do, I'll, I'll add it to the show notes. Uh, this is what it was like. We, we feel like imposters because we're, we're, we're not sure what's going to work, but we're kind of asked mm-hmm. to know what's going to work. And so we have this like imposter syndrome or fear to press send or publish or, or post or anything, or, you know, you know, anything like, you know, we have that moment of like angst because, and we have that imposter syndrome, like, is this really going to work? Do I actually believe this? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. Jeff's uh, encouragement was not to think like a posture, but almost think of like an explorer or an experimenter where it's like, Hey, we're, we're going to launch this because we have a hypothesis. Like it's not, it's not blind faith. It's not like, ah, get this. I like this. So let's do it. But I remember, Do you remember the actual quote? It's not, it's not, I'm not an expert. I'm an experimenter. Yeah. Not an expert, an experimenter. Something we'll, like that. We'll experiment with that. And I like the word explorer. <laughs> experimenter <laughs> works too. Yes, but, I like uh, this that idea too. that like, Hey, we're exploring, we're learning, we're putting something out there in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're responding to that feedback. Like it's, it's, it's a back and forth conversation versus just a directive. Uh, and I think that's a huge opportunity, especially in digital that those listening to this have. And the question I would pose for you all, which I think you tapped into is, are we using that superpower? Like that's a superpower in marketing. And are we, are we really using experimentation and learning to drive more results? So thank you for that reminder. Mm-hmm. Uh, thinking about other campaigns you had, especially around experimentation and learning, because uh, they're really huge in purposeful marketing is like, when did something not meet expectations and what did you learn from that outside of this example you already shared? Yeah, I had, had a different nonprofit we were working with and they help uh, students who could never afford to travel to be able to put, they put together these mm. trips for them. And it's not just like make a wish. It's, it's a trip where they go somewhere and they do a service project and they, they grow, they build friendships and they just kind of expand their horizons. Um, beyond like the world that they've grew up in, the neighborhood they grew up in, um, help them have this intercultural experience that really can help them grow as leaders. Um, again, these underserved uh, communities. And um, so they said, look, we've got a ton of experience in the, in traveling and in booking air, airfare and all kinds of stuff like that. So we put together a quiz and an ebook on, on travel. Um, quiz was like how to where should you go next? And kind of took some interest, mm. limited, but some basic interest that people had and then gave a few different, like, here's where we suggest you go next. The quiz did pretty well. Um, the ebook has done okay. I don't think it's ever gotten more like that more than 20 to 30 people to download it in a month. And I think part of it is it's a very broad topic. The ebook covers a lot of different stuff. And so it's kind of hard to define and clarify, like, this is the problem that helps you solve. And the other issues, issue is, and I, I kind of uncovered this through, um, I, was, I was writing a blog post on it and kind of doing a self-evaluation of landing page because it had been enough time had passed. And I was able to look back and, and kind of saying, wow, I thought this landing page was so great when, when we launched it. And looking at the results and then reevaluating it as kind of almost an outsider, there's so much <laughs> that could be improved, so much just clarification, more details, just, you know, I, I'm sure I could ask people for feedback. So that that's something that could, we could definitely go back to and, and, and really fix. It's also so good because it's a, it's a reminder again, that we have to almost distance ourselves as, as someone doing something creative mm-hmm. or something, you know, we were curious and we come up with this insight and we, we put it out in the world, 
But once it's out in the world, it's 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 a conversation. It's not a creative piece. It's not the end. It's just the yes. start. And being able to almost have, as Jeff said, humility as a marketer or as someone doing marketing to really navigate that is so key. I really appreciate you sharing those kind of lessons, both on the positive side, like, hey, there's upside here. And also on the low, like, hey, we missed. Uh, that's how we learn together. And that's what mm -hmm. we hope to uncover uh, in 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 these conversations. What most excites you about marketing right now? Like as you look ahead, you know, we're about to wrap up 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been an interesting season over the past few years. Uh, as we look to 23 and beyond, like what's exciting you about marketing right now? Yeah. So this may not sound innovative, but to me, it's it's super exciting. I've talked a little bit about it before, but I want to, I see it myself trying to apply this in a different way. And that's asking good questions of of your audience, helping nonprofits do that. So for example, like I just mentioned, you, growing new subscribers through quizzes, people like to interact. It's a good way to get someone to give someone something valuable. It doesn't take a ton of time to put together a quiz as opposed to an ebook. Um, so I like that. But uh, finding out motivation on your website about why someone did something. I think I learned this from Virtuous. Like, why did you donate today on, on the page that thanks them for donating? Ask them a one question survey. Why did you donate today? Or what was the, what, or what's a, or maybe, you know, asking questions like what are some concerns you have or problems you have or issues? So asking some, just getting feedback. And then what I'm really excited about in applying this is helping nonprofits, helping my clients use surveys to identify their most engaged subscribers and donors. Um, those who are really, truly passionate and, and helping them self-identify, like sharing the kind of demographic information you cannot buy, getting the information from people that you, again, like their personal, like, why are you, why, what's mm -hmm. your story? And, and in the for-profit world, the marketing, like advanced marketing uh, teams and, and companies that are really on top of it, they know how to take their marketing leads qualify them and hand them over to the sales team as quote unquote sales qualified leads. And I think the nonprofit world is going to get there, but I think we're a little bit behind. And this idea of marketing, being able to qualify and hand over donors or potential donors to the development team. Again, you wouldn't even have to have someone who's donated yet, but if you just uncover someone who's super passionate, they might not become a major donor, but they might know major donors mm -hmm. and they might be able to refer your organization to them. And so asking good questions, letting people share, doing a yearly survey, maybe more often, uh, of your of your subscribers and of your donors, and, and just trying to find the ones that raise their hand figuratively and engaging in actual conversation with them. I think that's that's something I really want to get more into and, and I'm excited to see nonprofits start to do more. Yeah, absolutely. It's not even just, just asking the questions. It's actually then responding back to that and actually doing something different because of the inputs or the feedback, whether they're first party, you know, direct or they're assumed through behavior. Like, hey, I came through your website and I and explored the end of year campaign that you had, or I came to your website to look at your membership benefits and then I left. There's implied intent there, you know, so that, you know, how do we as marketers tap into that? But also, like you mentioned, hey, I gave mm -hmm. because I care deeply about protecting our our uh, local forest, or I really, really value the collective uh, advocacy that this membership group is focusing on. I need to, as an organization, be able to respond 
or take that into consideration at scale. And I think this is where I, what excites me a little bit about this, because I'm with you, is where technology and tactics together actually unlock the ability to do that at scale and not even just have, mm-hmm. a, have a two-way conversation at scale, but to create more of a collaboration type environment, which I think is what is more of the model for organizations listening to this, this uh, studio session than maybe a commerce model. Because it's not just about conversion. It's not like I get them in the store and then I convert them or I identify they want to buy and then they buy. It's rather a you're a platform for collaboration for people that care about your thing and they might want to take action at different times. So how do you identify those people? How do you understand them? How do you cultivate them? And then how do you activate? And I'm big on this word activate uh, as part of the purposeful marketing playbook Hmm. because it assumes intention and capacity. It's not about convincing. It's about being a catalyst. Uh, And that's, that's really exciting. Hmm. And it feeds right into, you know, what's exciting you. So, Hmm. so good, Chris. Uh, and uh, I'm excited to kind of follow follow this along. Mm-hmm. What nonprofits are doing marketing well? You know, as we close out, people love like examples. And you shared a great one of what the work you're doing with uh, the Jewish uh, uh, Food Services Organization. Um, but what other nonprofits are doing marketing well? Who do you follow? And any specific examples we can link to? Yeah. So there's a nonprofit called Connected Families, uh, connectedfamilies.org. And I've learned from them um, just how they fulfill their mission, how they grow their audience. Um, they're all about sharing and helping and teaching parents to be better parents and have a ton of, they always are coming out like every year, they probably produce a new ebook. Um, and, and they're always, they're, they're, their emails, they do ask their, their subscribers to donate occasionally. Um, but their emailers are 90% value. And then they identify people who they, the activate thing, they do really well. They have a, what a quote unquote an insiders team and people on their insiders team, they regularly share ideas with them or, or ask for feedback before they launch it. And, and they, and they treat these people as like, you're part of our team. You can see things from an outside that we can't. Uh, and so, and those, and the insiders team, there's an overlap with their donors, but it's not the same. Um, so those are people who are just, again, they're very engaged. And then, you know, with their donors, they have a special, they, they, send emails separately to their donors. And um, again, they ask their, their main list for to support them occasionally, but their donor, they know that people who've donated, we're going to treat you, we're not treating you the same as everyone else. We're going to, you're still going to get all the valuable content, like the, the content we're teaching and, and equipping you. But at the same time, you know, you understand our mission on a different level. And so they do such a good job. Um, another like much a newer, smaller nonprofit that I have, I thought they've been super creative and and a great example of a nonprofit that is very small and is doing a whole lot. They're called brightspotnetwork.org um, and they help families who have been impacted by cancer where one of the p- parents has cancer or ha- had cancer and they have young children. And um, they created this coloring book where it, it helps the children understand or the child understand like maybe not cancer at a big level but like what it means Mm. to be sick or have to go to the hospital or how to be gentle with your parent or and and then the coloring book itself it's while it's teaching this it allows you to like upload your own photos or um type in your name and so what the parent can do is kind of personalize it and print it out and then it has like their picture on it or their or the you know their name on it and and now they're coloring this coloring book that's for their family and that's just one example. 
of, of a resource that they're they're sharing for their audience, but it's uh, for their through their mission, but it's also helping them to build their audience of people who would support them too. Yeah, so beautiful. And as a as a parent uh, myself, Connected Family sounds like a really interesting resource. So I'll definitely check that out. Con- connectedfamilies.org and brightspotnetwork.org. Yeah, uh, we will check those yeah. out. Now, I have to say, like I Connected Families, I was I was a recipient before I ever started. Help, you know working with them or learning from them uh, on their marketing side of things. So definitely can endorse that. Hey, I'm William Henry. I'm the content marketing manager here at Feather. And I'm here to tell you about an amazing resource we have available for those of you doing purposeful marketing, the in-flight briefing. Every Tuesday, we'll send to your inbox the essential bite-sized information you need to take your marketing strategy from sputtering along to soaring. We think doing purposeful marketing is fun. So even though we'll be sharing a lot of new ideas and linking out to some thought-provoking content, we're gonna make this briefing feel like the most important part of the flight, the snacks. We know you have many options when you fly, so we hope you'll consider joining us in the air. Subscribe today at feather.co slash inflight. That's feather without the E dot co slash inflight. Well, this has been a pleasure of a conversation. Uh, are you up for some lightning round as we close out on things that are inspiring you and keeping you up to date? Yeah. So we'll do quick. You know, you can give as long yeah. or short as an answer as you would like. Um, what book on relating to marketing do you wish you'd read earlier in your career? Funnily enough, this is a book I haven't read the whole thing, but I actually just checked it out again. It's called 8020 Sales and Marketing. That's by Perry Marshall. I mentioned him earlier. Um, he's not the only person who writes about 8020. But um, he he did help bring that concept into the marketing world. And essentially, if you're not familiar with the principle, it's that uh, 20% of your efforts will bring in 80% of your results. And the other 80% of your efforts will bring in 20% of your results. And it's the small hinges swing big doors. And so this idea of we need to, we have like our most limited resource is time. And so how can we, and I, this is something I, I'm, I'm sharing this, but it's something I need to learn myself too. And that's why I really wish I'd read it earlier is we need to focus our time on the things that are the most mm. meaningful, the most purposeful, the most effective, the things that are going to bring us the most results. We don't always know what those are. That's why we have to experiment and be willing to drop what, what we thought was going to work and didn't. But um, just, just that focus on how can I be effective? And again, as a nonprofit, let me apply that to marketing. You can't do every platform. You can't do all the tactics and strategies that you're hearing. So just focus on one or two things and do those really well. And then if those are humming and they don't need a lot of ongoing input or, or uh, you know, maintenance, you can add something else. But just focus on the one or two things that, are, that you think or you've heard or you've seen are going to help you the most. We have a key operating principle that I've had in all my teams, which is focus always wins. Uh, and so I love how this 80-20 rule kind of fits into that same idea. Uh, speaking of sayings or go-tos, what's your go-to marketing axiom? <laughs> I, I couldn't think of one that I, I got from someone else, um, but this is just one I've used from myself. And uh, But I, I'd love to find one that someone else came up with because I, I don't share this be- my own because I think I have the best one. But if you serve people, they will be attracted to you. So make it part of your mission to serve your donors too. So your donors are people you can serve too, and you can do that through your mission in, in a small way. Even though it's just moments of delight, like we were talking about earlier, like it's part of that. And, you know, yes. you're the chief 
uh, happiness director. And there's part of that where we're serving people. <laughs> uh, success or happiness should be also a pursuit, not just extraction. Uh, so I love that. And hey, no shame in sharing your own axiom. Maybe others will adopt it. So this is, you heard it first, Chris Barlow, uh, Barlow's axiom on marketing. Serve people, they'll be attracted to you. Make it your mission. Being that we're in studio and we're doing an unplugged session, we know uh, that there's other inspirations outside of marketing or even writing. So what are three songs you couldn't live with? What's your like mixtape that you go to when you're either trying to be inspired or do purposeful marketing? I could give you a long list, but uh, you asked me for three songs I couldn't live without. So I have to have to give you the, the, those ones. So Chacon by Bach. It is one that I actually didn't like very much when I first heard it. And the more I listen to it, the more I'm amazed by it. Uh, Be Still My Soul by Katrina von Schlegel. Uh, really good words, powerful words. And Strange Metal Arc by Dave Brubeck, uh, jazz pianist. Got to see him in concert before he passed away. And uh, the the sentence that would kind of, I could tie those together would be, and I, and I, I want, you know, I want to do this myself. If you listen to people whose voices or their works of art have lasted, outlasted the decay of time, of centuries, then you're going to always be relevant. And, and the works that have lasted through time bear repetitive, repeated study because they are the ones that contain deeper truth and beauty. Mm, I love that. And it ties back to earlier when we were talking about evergreen content, you know, how do we move from mm. these transactional or pop culture getting, you know, drawn into the latest TikTok dance? There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but no, there's also these things that have sustaining or lasting impact. And how do you pull that into your marketing too? And think about that. Like, how do we make a lasting, sustaining impact through our marketing for our community? Last but not least, who's blazing new trails in marketing? Uh, and who would you like to see on the show? I think James Martin of Rallycore. If you if you don't know him, you should know him. He's he's a very giving, generous kind of guy. Um, he's working hard to serve nonprofits, um, and he works particularly in the marketing automation SMS space. Yeah, love James. I've met him a few times, and I actually uh, had a uh, impromptu chat with him this week about a few things. But he he oh, is nice. a very giving person and uh, has yes. a very generous soul, which I think is so important. That's, you know, marketers, we get to be giving and, and generous. And that's kind of where we're trying to connect the dots between, you know, our communities and, you know, the value we're bringing and how do we do that well. And so James is definitely embodiment of that uh, tactic. So thanks. Well, Chris, any last words, final words as we leave the studio today for our listeners? Oh, no, just th thank you for having me. And um, I think I think one thing that Whenever, we're, uh, you know, even as a marketer myself, you know, being on top of things, it can feel overwhelming. So just mm. take heart, like find the things that's working for you, focus and, 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 you know, learn one thing at take, add in one thing and, and implement it. If, if it's really, you feel like it's going to be worth implementing and, and rather than adding more content or adding more information. Well, we'll close on that. Chris Barlow has been in the Feather Studios today. Chris, thank you for giving of your time. Absolutely. Thanks, Noah.
who's doing marketing, right? Sometimes as marketers, we mm-hmm. we like you have to be a marketer to do marketing. And this is with a lot of professions. Like, am I a writer or am I writing? And does it which right. one's first? Do I write and then I'm a writer, or am I a writer and then I write, or a singer mm. or a producer or a scientist or whatever it is? And for me, like I don't want to create, and we hope through this podcast too, that you don't have to be a marketer to do marketing. And yeah. most often people are doing marketing and don't feel like a marketer. So let's take that marketer totally, you know, identity off the table and say, hey, we're a bunch of people doing purposeful marketing. You don't have to be a marketer. I'm a marketer. I feel like a marketer. You might, I don't know if you identify as a marketer, but others don't. But marketing has a huge impact in your ability to expand your mission. And let's make that more inclusive as we drive forward um, as a community. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. stuff. Yes, you have, you have permission. You have permission to try. You have permission <laughs> yeah. to, to send, hit send, even if you're not a marketer. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and ultimately, too, I'm like, if the market, the people doing marketing don't press send or publish, nothing's ever going to get done. <laughs> so right. We have to be the brave ones. We have to be the brave ones. 